Amen. Turn around, say hello to somebody tonight, and then be seated. Amen and amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see Brother John with us tonight, along with all the others. And we won't mention anybody else by name on their special occasions. But we are going to say tonight that, uh, you know, God has been so good to us. We just have come through a tremendous, tremendous uh, season of God answering prayer. And He continues to answer prayer. How many of you believe that God answers prayer? Yes, and we're going to pray tonight for the sick. We're going to pray for the bereaved. And uh, we're going to pray for uh, the healthy, too. We're going to pray for those that are not bereaved because we want to remember one another. And God wants to do a work in His people, through His people. He wants to do a work in His church. And uh, today we have the opportunity to be who God wants us to be. Now, the way this world is going to be one to Jesus Christ is going to be the same old Bible way, the same method that we have seen over and over and over. We're talking about the old, old story. So I hope that you'll be out on soul winning and visitation, distributing tracts. We just got the final word back on the Phil America, Phil, Virginia, and a, a bunch of uh, evangelists have banded together to, to form their groups that are counted, and they did very well. But among the states, you know what? Virginia was just outstanding. Wasn't that great? Virginia did so well, and we're part of, uh, of that great band of soul winners and uh, tract sharers and visitation folks and door hanger placers. Now, there's, there's a long title for you. What, what do you do for Jesus? I'm a door hanger placer. Amen. And folks will look at you and say, well, I hope you don't ever get over that. All right, amen. So praise, praise the Lord for that. Now, Saturday, last Saturday, we had our extravaganza. And it was. We had a good, a good response. Uh, and everything went like clockwork. And we don't want to uh, be swollen up with pride. But we're going to do it again, and we're marking the date, and you mark the calendar that October 21st we do our next extravaganza. Between now and then, for 12 weeks, we're going to visit the families of all those kids and young people that were here at the extravaganza. We're going to lead them to Christ. We had folks here on Sunday as a result of outreach, so we want to continue to see that to the glory of God. Hope you'll be out Saturday. And 9 o'clock is cleaning, 10 o'clock visitation, 2 o'clock we're going to have our preparation, our training session for our Prince William County Fair Booth soul winning outreach this year. In the month of August we'll be out there, but you need to be here for our session. Prior to that, get the links from Brother Tyler. Everybody needs to view the soul winning clinic from 2018. It's just a couple of hours. It'll transform your life. You say, I've already seen it. You need to see it again. Then you need to get the link also for the 2022 training session for the fair. We're going to do some additional things that you need to come for training. So this is going to be like the refresher add-on to what you've been taught. We're going to go over it again, but 2 o'clock on Saturday. You get it done. You don't have to come back the next week or the next week for training, but we'll offer some additional training until everybody who is scheduled will be uh, up to speed on what we're planning 
to do. I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. So we're going to see lots of folks get saved, and then we're going to follow up on them. Praise the Lord. And we need, we need to do it for the right reasons. Dr. Hancock used to say, you need to be traveling down the right road. You need to be traveling down uh, the right road uh, uh, with the right folks. And then he said, you need to be traveling down the right road with the right folks for the right reason. For the right reason. God has given us all of our motivation between the covers of this book. We're going to read about it tonight. But I'd like us to start out with a, a verse from Philippians. Let's go over there. Philippians chapter 1. And there it says in Philippians 1, 21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We're going we're to start out with that. We're going to come full circle and come all the way back to that. It's so very important. Last week... We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. What great motivation that is. We're all going to stand before the Lord someday. The book of Romans says we're going to give account of ourselves to God. But the beam of judgment will be for believers. We'll be able at that moment to remember everything. If you can't remember now, you'll remember then. And I don't know if, if Jesus is going to stop time or slow down time or however it's going to be. He's God. He can do it. And we are going to rehearse our life since we've been saved and what we've been doing for Jesus in that time. That's all important. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. Want every moment, every, every bit of our life to be and account for Jesus Christ. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, we're to surrender all like we preach Sunday morning. I surrender all. So glad the altar was well filled. The people responded. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. That's why we're in this. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So, last time we closed off with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 11. I want to pick up at that point. Please recall that Paul was under personal attack. Many people are today, but not like uh, the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul and Job, some of the old-time saints and martyrs, but it says in verse number 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. The fear of the Lord compels us. That's the, the fact that He is so amazing and awe-inspiring, and that's what He is. Uh, was it Squire Parsons, I believe it is, that wrote, I stand amazed. I stand amazed. We sang... Tonight, Charles, great Gabriel's great song, I Stand Amazed in the Presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And, and you know what? It's, it's true that the Lord has done so much in your life and mine, having, having provided himself a lamb. The Lord has given us the greatest possible gift we ever could have received. I like our tracks, the tracks that we just distribute and souls get saved and thank you very much. Uh, Tom is a tract writer and John R. Rice was known as a 20th century tract writer. Jack Chick wrote, uh, uh, this was your life. But there's another one that Jack Chick wrote. It's called A Love Story. And you ought to get your hands on some of these. Who gave you life? The Bible says Jesus did. Who created this world for you to live on? The Bible says Jesus did. Who knows everything you ever heard or said or thought in your heart? The Bible says Jesus does. Who knows how to 
to ha who knows how lonely and really scared you are, who really understands you. The Bible says Jesus does. It goes on all the way through like that. Jesus does. Jesus does. And then it comes to the very end of the tract. Who wants to come into your heart if you ask him to? Jesus. Now, if, you'll, if you've done that, who loves you so much he wants you to share his riches, power, and glory with you? Jesus. And it goes on like that. And it gives you all those precious promises. Jesus. That's why it's a love story. The greatest love story ever, ever, ever in history. All right. So I'm amazed. I stand amazed. I am absolutely amazed at God's great love for us. Uh, the other night, uh, Brad and, and the kids were at the house, and we sat down for a bite to eat, and afterwards we took out the Bible. And uh, I wanted to, to bring something that was real practical for the kids that they could understand. So I went to the 21st chapter of John's Gospel, and I told them about Peter and his buddies going back fishing, and, and, uh, and Jesus was standing on the shore. Same miracle as at the beginning of the ministry, at the end of the ministry uh, here on earth. He said that, cast your net on the other side. And of course, they pulled in this, this load of fish more than they could actually. And uh, Peter realized it was the Lord. He jumped in the water, swam to where the Lord was. He had breakfast on, on the beach ready for them. And then afterwards, he cornered Simon Peter and he used his old name in the flesh. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you agape me with God's agape love more than these? And Simon Peter, you know, had to be a little disturbed. And he said, well, ye Lord, uh, thou knowest that, that I phileo you, that I love you with fondness. And that is what he asked. He said, feed my sheep. If that's the case, feed my sheep. Ask him three times because Peter had denied him, what, three times. And so finally, Jesus diminished the word. He said, so Peter, are you fond of me? And he said, yea, Lord, thou knowest. He said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And that's it. That's still it. If we really love the Lord and we want Him to know it, it's more than just our verbal profession. It ought to be our life. You ought to be feeding some, some sheep and some lambs. Get back in the game. All right? Start serving the Lord. Amen. That's the way to really prove it. There it is. If we're really truly amazed, let's tell somebody that's going to make a difference too. Amen. And let's share that great, Love story. Now let's move on. Verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For we commend not ourselves again unto you. Now he's, he's not trying to defend himself. They had uh, determined, they'd already uh, comprised a uh, judge, jury, and executioner system for Paul. Uh, they had already made up their mind that he was not a worthy apostle that others were more worthy than he. He says, For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that he may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. That's what you've got. The difference between that which is genuine and that which is phony is where it comes from. If it's genuine, it comes from the heart. Everything going to sing a solo, sing from the heart. We hope what comes out is pleasing, but it needs to come from the heart. Uh, stand up and give a testimony. We hope that the words make sense and that people are edifying, but it needs to come from the heart and not just, you know, something that you've practiced in your mind and, and you've got your elocution right, 
But let's get our heart right first. Amen. Whatever it is that we say or do, we need to do all to the glory of God. And for to me to live is Christ. It is a life that we are living. Christ is our life. And we need to live it out and speak it out and sing it out and testify. And that way this lost and dying world will know about that great love story. There it is. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ. Everybody say love of Christ. Love of Christ. Now, some folks have said, well, what does that mean? Does that mean we love him or, or whatever? It doesn't matter because it works. The love of Christ is God's love expressed. Christ is his love gift to us. The salvation that makes us um, accepted in the beloved, that causes, as John says, who is the apostle, the beloved apostle of, of love and truth, who, who says that, uh, that, that Jesus Christ is the propitiation, he's the satisfaction of God the Father's holy requirements. The fact that Jesus Christ would come and suffer and die for us and take our place, uh, unworthy as we are, to make us worthy in God's eyes. To justify us is that great love story that we're speaking of. So whether we be besides ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. He's saying, for the love of Christ constraineth us. That's our motivation. The love of God, when it is operative within us, means that Jesus Christ is seen in you and me. That means that what we say and what we do is taken as if it's coming by way of Jesus Christ because it is. Everything, it's kind of like, uh, how many of you remember the advertisement for the, uh, the, the final filter on the gas pump? You remember that? And Jesus Christ, of course, is the one who makes everything make sense in our life. Why are you doing this for me? Why are you helping me out? Why are you so kind? Why is your attitude so sweet? Why are you such a good co-worker? Why are you such a good neighbor? Why are you such a good whatever? Fill in the blank. It's because Jesus Christ, our final filter, everything that comes out, everything that is expressed by us comes through the filter of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's because of the Holy Spirit who's operative in our life. That's the way people ought to see us. That's the way we ought to be taken. We should never have to say, I know because we're flesh, we have to say it. We should never have to say, and I hope you won't take this wrong. But that's the way many times we, we begin a statement when it's the truth, and the truth might be a little painful. But when we're expressing it, and Jesus Christ is the one who is being seen, why, everybody understands the right motivation. They understand that we're not trying to go around and place ourselves on a pedestal above everyone but rather we are serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, all right, all of you hyper, super, duper Calvinists got to shut that down, then we're all dead, all right? We understand this. I don't understand the, increase, uh, the, the, um, the, the small, the micro truth of every aspect of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. But I know that it's true. I've experienced it firsthand. And I know that it's true. And how can it be? How can it be? The only way it can be is Jesus Christ. He's the answer. How can God so love us? Because Jesus Christ. How can, how can God 
keep us because of Jesus Christ? How can He sustain us and help us? And how can He be satisfied with us because of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the answer to all of those questions. How can God? Jesus Christ is the answer. Now that's deep truth. If you don't go away with that, you go away with uh, much less than you could have. That's, that's great. And that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That's not our motivation. It's not to make ourselves look good or be well thought of, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, now whenever you say wherefore, look and see what it is there for. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him no more. Wait a minute. What does that mean, preacher? That's, that's uh, scrambling my brains, man. I can't wrap my my thoughts around that, uh, henceforth, what? Know we Him no more. We don't know Jesus anymore? Well, let me get to that. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. Help me to make this plain. Help everyone to get it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm very thankful that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. I'm very thankful that holding God in that proper position of awe and respect and uh, of course, that means looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and seeing in and Him, uh, in Him and through Him, the, the completion of all that we ever hope to be or experience. We understand that's how it's done. We understand that's how life is lived. It's Jesus Christ, and it's not about us. When Paul was under the magnifying lens, the microscope, the uh, the, the judgmental uh, critique of the Corinthians, who were in no position to judge anybody, but they judged Paul. The Apostle Paul offers nothing, no defense but Christ. He offers nothing else. And he, and he said what he said at the end here, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, Know we Him no more. He's saying we don't know Him that way. That people knew Him when He walked around in a body and said, oh, that's Jesus, that's Jesus bar Joseph. That's the son of the carpenter. That's what they knew in the flesh. He'd been raised by Joseph, even though Joseph was not his biological father. But that's how they knew him. They knew him as the carpenter's son. They knew him as, you know, the, the, the fellow that lived on, on you know, XYZ Street in Nazareth. That's what they knew him as. Later on, they knew him as the, as the prophet, as the unusual, the, the cousin of John the Baptist, who had been so strange and so different. That's what they saw after the flesh. And, and uh, just think about this. All through his earthly walk, uh, oh, he's so kind. He is so, look at it. He takes the children up on his lap. He said, suffer the children and forbid them not to come unto me. Notice how his tender touch, how the, how the person that was sick was healed. The blind were made to see. The, the deaf had their ears unstopped. The, the leper was cleansed. You know, the dead were raised to life. Oh, how kind, how compassionate. They, they, they saw his mannerism. They were still looking at him in the flesh, weren't they? And then, when he's on the cross and he's beaten to a pulp and the flesh is hanging off him, you can't even tell he's a, a man. His vision is so marred. And they said, I can't, even, I can't even look at him. Oh, it's so hard to look at him. It's so, so terrible. And people shrank from, from the appearance of him 
as the Lamb of God. All of those scenes, every one of them, you could stop them and put under there after the flesh. After the flesh. Not the sinful flesh, but the human flesh. After the flesh. And Jesus, Jesus didn't come for all those reasons. He didn't just come to feed the 5,000. Otherwise, he would have opened a chain of restaurants. He didn't come to heal. He would have opened some hospitals and clinics. He didn't do that. All of those were the means by which he was authenticated as being the message and messenger. He was the one who had come from the Father. He had come from a sinless place to a sinful world. And because of, of, our, of our flawed condition, our, our flesh that's the way we see each other. That's the way we, those that were alive when Jesus was here on earth, saw Jesus until they saw him the way they needed to see them in their great, greatest need, which would be in this, the realm of the Spirit. He's the Lamb of God. He is the answer. He is, he is the way, the truth. He's the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. He's the light. He is, he is the living water. He is he's the bread sent down from heaven. That's who he is. All of those emblems, all of those symbols are more real than what people beheld with their human eyes. He's, he's got a purpose. He, he is in a, of himself the purpose, but he had a purpose. He came to seek and to save the lost. Now that goes beyond just giving us, you know, our paying our bail out of hell. That, that goes to the transformation that takes place in us. And that's what Paul is saying. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more in that way. We see the, we see the light. We see the truth. We see, we see the way. We understand who Jesus Christ is and what his meaning is. Let me take it by extension a little bit further. If Christ is operative in you and me and out of our life, we should be seeing one another as having purpose and meaning. Christ came to seek and to save the lost. He's included us in that great soul winning plan, that program, but also each of us has that enablement, that gift of the spirit whereby we're an integral component, part of his soul-winning plan. Did you pass a track this week? Did you speak a good word for Jesus? Did you, did you, did you speak to someone as Jesus would? Did you, did you convey Christ to anybody this week? That's it. When, <laughs> when Jesus left this world, he said, I, I send another comforter. That he'll be with you and in you. And having the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, with us and in us means that now Jesus Christ, in effect, can be in many places at once. That's it. So while you're over there giving a witness, sharing, sharing Jesus, living Jesus before your neighbors, I can be over here and God can be working through all of us. And it has no longer got anything to do with the flesh. We need to fight and avoid at all costs taking any credit, any glory 
for this wonderful program that the Lord has now operating on earth so that Jesus can be here and there and here and there and here and there all at one time. Jesus, be the Lord of all. Amen. In everything we do and say, everywhere we go, every life we touch needs to be so experienced. The Apostle Paul, can I say this, was overwhelmed. Um, one of the great songwriters wrote a beautiful song. I've heard it sung and played. I heard it played on, somebody played it on trombone. I'm overshadowed. And overshadowed may be a word that we don't use. We use overwhelmed. Paul was overwhelmed, overshadowed. It was larger than, than anything about Paul. The love of Christ. First of all, personally, on his level, that, that, that the Lord would even love him. Isn't it amazing? Have you, have you followed this through the book of Acts? How many times? I mean, he was always looking for an excuse to get arrested so he could talk about Jesus. It almost seems that way, doesn't it? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He, he didn't care. You know, just forward my mail to the next town, the next jail, you know, because that's, that's where he's going to be eventually serving the Lord. He would end up in the Roman economy being arrested because in those days the message of Jesus Christ was dangerous they thought because it was exclusive only Jesus it's not the emperor and Jesus or the emperor and Jesus and all these other gods they don't care how many gods as long as it's not just somebody else and it's just Jesus that makes that makes Paul a propagator of, of a um, message that is considered to be radical, rebellious. Uh, he's treasonous. He's against Caesar. He's against the Roman, you know, the worship of the Roman state. We've, uh, we've just about gotten to that point in the United States as well. Just about there. Praise God, we've still got some freedom. We've still got some some movements, some leverage. But the Apostle Paul was so amazed that he would be so loved, that he, he was willing to be imprisoned and to share that message before uh, Agrippa, Felix, uh, Festus, uh, even before Caesar. He appealed to Caesar. Hey, why, why mess with the proconsul and the, and the uh, uh, procurator, the, the uh, person that's, in charge of this province when I can appeal as a Roman citizen to Caesar. And so he goes, and not one imprisonment, but two. The second one ended in his martyr death, but twice imprisoned at Rome. And he gets to share the gospel. And what did it do? He's so overwhelmed by the message that God's love would extend to him after he persecuted the church that some of Caesar's household profess Christ. That's amazing. We have a, a, a dear brother in Christ who ministers to the folks in D.C. 
His name is Pastor Mike Creed. He's the pastor of, of Independent Baptist Church in Clinton, Maryland. Now, don't go changing your membership and driving an hour and a half over there. But uh, he's a great guy. But he has had prayer meetings with senators and with uh, representatives and, and uh, has even met with uh, Supreme Court justices and prayed with them. And he's influential. And that is a ministry. That is a ministry. Uh, your ministry, you say, my ministry is more specific. It's to, to restaurateurs. So I, I visit all the restaurants, okay? And, uh, and uh, witness to all the restaurant people. Uh, wh wherever it is, whether it's every thrift store, I like to hand out tracts in thrift stores, or, or wherever it might be, never get over the fact that God loves you. Never get over the fact that Jesus died for lost sinners. Never get too far from Calvary. Amen. Never get too far from the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the empty tomb. Amen. He's overwhelmed that this becomes the controlling motive of his life. Why are you doing this? Why are you passing out these tracks? Why are you putting these door hangers on there? The guy that comes out and he yells at you, Daquan, and he says, you know, don't you respect us? You say, oh, but I'm overwhelmed. What? I'm overwhelmed by God's great love. He loves you and, and me and, and, and everyone. He loves us. Amen. Amen. That's a love that led Christ to the cross to die for condemned sinners, to take the place of us as lost sinners, that we might live, that we might live. I want you to see back there where we started out in 1 John, the verse that comes just before the one I read, which was 4.10. 4.9, 1 John 4.9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might, now notice this, live through Him. Underline that. That's number one. That we might live through Him. There is no life apart from Christ. The Christ life is the only real life. Other than Christ, there's nothing but existence. People might be breathing, their hearts might be pumping, their brain might be working to a degree, and they might be earning money, they might be making payments on a house, on cars, and uh, uh, they might be conducting business on Wall Street or on the Internet or whatever in their, where their sales district is or selling their product across the counter retail or whatever it is they're doing, but they're not living until Jesus Christ is living in and through them. He is the life that we might live through Him. Keep that close. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians and chapter number 5. There in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 10. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in the previous verse, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Now, what did we see back in 1 John 4, 9? Through Him. And here in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 and verse number, uh, number 10, with Him, that we might live with Him. 
There it is. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But we're not through yet. Let's go uh, back to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and verse number 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So that we might live for him. That we might live through him, that we might live with him, that we might live for him. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Preacher, I've never heard it quite that way before. I'm trying to share with you somewhat of my understanding, which is limited, I admit. This concept of living Christ is so broad, it is so tremendous. One of the problems that they had at Corinth was that they were not living Christ. That was a primary, a foundational problem. And Paul's desire is not just to make himself look good, but to make them see correctly. There's a difference. If you and I are interested in making ourselves look good, that doesn't do a thing for them. It just makes me look good. So I might strive, I might do my best, dress up, you know. I might uh, work on my uh, delivery. I might uh, practice uh, uh, how I am um, um, in my social skills. And what that does, my outward uh, behavior, I comport myself as a gentleman. And uh, people say, oh, how nice. Isn't he, isn't he kind? Isn't he sweet? And what I have done is I have succeeded in making myself look good, look better than I actually am. But that's not what Paul wanted. He didn't want to look good. He wanted them to see more clearly. He wanted them to see life through the lens of Jesus Christ. Now, the only way we can help that other party see Jesus is if, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We're, we're kind of, we're, we're cleaning off the lens, you see? We're, we're shining, polishing up the lens for people to see Jesus Christ in us. And the glory doesn't go to us. The glory goes to Christ who is seen. That's the difference. The Christian life is a life that's lived with new motives. We see that from the heart, right? From the heart. But also with a new view. With a new view. There it is. To judge Christ after the flesh then is wrong. To judge one another after the flesh is wrong because God's still working on us. He's bringing us around so that our part in His great program might be uh, a blessing, might be more effective or effectual is a biblical term. Christ died for the purpose not only of, of keeping us out of hell, but enabling us to so live that the witness of Christ continues bright even though Christ physically in His glorified body is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, but because the Spirit of Christ is working in and through us mightily, then on earth Christ is still seen, but now He is seen and experienced in many Different places. Now we understand. Why did Peter say, 
that we're lively stones. Because he was talking about something that's bigger and greater than just we are individually. It is a corporate thing. This body that he's speaking of. It's an effective body. It's a functioning body. For this stone and that stone and this stone and that stone and this stone and this and this stone right here to fit together right. That's, that's where all of this grace comes in. You know, need, need to fit together. That takes grace. Why? Because in the flesh we rub against each other and we rub off the rough spots, don't we? Don't we? Sure. Somebody rubs you wrong, you rub them wrong. That's it. You, you hate to think about it, but you're somebody's sandpaper and so am I. All right? So there we are. You know, we're, we're co-existing. We're co-living. Christ living through us. And though we are not actually uh, sinlessly perfect, uh, we are functioning, even in our imperfection, as these lively stones as part of this corporate body. And Jesus Christ is seen all around the neighborhood and all around the work world and all around and in every store because you know what? Christians go shopping and Christians buy gas and Christians pay their rent and, and Christians, you know, socialize across the back fence. And Jesus Christ, once again, has an opportunity to be seen. Amen. That's what this is all about. The glorified Christ working through us. Amen. He changes our viewpoint. He changes our outlook. We're overwhelmed. What are you hanging that on my door for? I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Well, why are you saying this? For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Christ liveth in me. Jesus Christ, be Lord of all. Jesus Christ, live in and through me. Speak through me. Even our attitude, even our attitude needs to be so affected. There it is. Yes, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of ourselves to God. But in the meantime, we're part of this living, breathing thing, this organism that's alive and well and working on earth. And you know what? devil doesn't care if we're just like everybody else, but I'm telling you, he can't stand it when God's people start really experiencing Jesus, the life. They start reading their Bibles. They start praying. They start trusting God. They start living by faith, walking by faith and not by sight. Oh my, the devil trembles when that is the case. When the weakest, newest believer begins to walk by faith and not by sight, we begin interacting and living out as li living, lively stones, that bothers the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I, I would just challenge you tonight, let's give the devil fits. Amen? Amen. Let's give the devil's fits. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And how many of you tonight say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart and encouraged me. Raise your hand up high. Come on, something spoke to me, encouraged me. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I trust now, as we have a moment of invitation that you'll look at your own heart and life. And if you're not saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so glad that we can call on Him and be saved the Bible way. Just pray from your heart, Lord Jesus. 
Come in my heart. Save me now. Take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer, if you meant that, I want you to come in just a moment. We're going to extend the invitation. If you want to come and pray, pray for yourself, pray for others. I encourage you to do so.